Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I'm your host, Jake Deemer, and uh, it's been a lot of been a lot of stuff going around, not just today, but earlier. Um, I'm sure that everybody wants answers. Um, before we get into that, just to show my dedication to this podcast, Eddie is not going to be editing this. I will be sending it as just audio files. I attempted to get a music intro for this podcast today, but that was, my efforts were unsuccessful. So uh, I elected not to sing Welcome to the Jungle as we were coming in today. So instead you just get nothing. But in any event, I'm sure that there are questions that are going around about uh, related to me and I'm gonna answer one right off the top. This is a new microphone. I, that's right, I, my, I'm de- so dedicated to this podcast, to the people, that I went on Amazon Prime Day and spent $30 of my own money on a microphone that I will only use for this podcast. So, you're welcome, world. Enjoy the, enjoy the audio, enjoy the, uh, the sound of my voice that is not cracking or uh, is not going to be just terrible, quite frankly. So let's get right into it. In any event, um, I do have a co-host. It is Jerwin. Jerwin, welcome today. Hello. Uh, any opening thoughts here, Jerwin? Uh, I think just hopefully this appearance has completely sealed my spot as podcast MVP or guest MVP, I guess. So uh, that that's good for me. That's a good look. Yeah, you definitely have my vote, but we'll get right into it with the prior week recap. Matchup predictions. Nate did well. He went 4 and 2. The combined duo of Mike and Nick probably put the guest ahead for good. They went 11 and 1 last week. I'm pretty sure that's an insurmountable lead, although I have not done the math myself. I just don't want to right now. So we'll just take my word for it. That's probably too much. I think the guest has clinched it this year. Good job, guest. But we'll start it. We'll start it off with our big takeaways. In the interest of time, I'm going to only do one because we have probably a lengthy podcast ahead of us, and uh, Eddie's not editing this. So the more the longer time we take, the more audio files I will have to send, which means I should stop explaining this and just get right to it. Jerwin, what's your first big takeaway? Sure. So uh, we have a very diverse league in terms of how each owner values keepers. I won't rehash everything that's been said about keepers on the podcast or in the chat because it's been a lot, but it's just interesting seeing how people think about keepers in this league and just how different it is from owner to owner, considering the keeper mechanic is one of the most important features of the league. I think uh, getting that question right is a huge a huge key to long-term success. So it, it's interesting to see the different approaches. My biggest takeaway has to do with uh, Major League Baseball more so than our league. And it was, what are the Cubs doing? Uh, they decided not to trade Wilson Contreras or Ian Happ. And those are both impending free agents. It just it feels like a really Rockies thing to do, which the Rockies did last year and turn out well for them. Uh, I hate the Cubs, so I hope that it ends up the same way. I hope that Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras both walk, and the Cubs look stupid. So that's my biggest takeaway. What are the Cubs doing? 
maybe they're turning into the new Rockies. So we're only doing one big takeaway, so let's move on to the wild card race up. Not really any changes here. Justin is still holding down the number seven seed, the NFTs, 14 and 16, but there is a battle for that eighth seed. Uh, Mike and Scott are both eliminated. Um, rip them. But holding down the eighth seed now is Brendan with 11, 11 and 19 record, but right behind him, Eddie and Jerwin, both at 10 and 20. They are one game back. Uh, I don't... So, Jerwin, you can speak up if you know this. I don't know if you guys play play each other the rest of the year or not. I don't know if he's uh, the I know, I know that I don't play either of them unless... Unless in the last week, Brendan and I are both like number five in our respective divisions. I do not know if Eddie or Brendan play each other at any point in the next couple weeks. Okay. So we do have, we only have three weeks left. Um, Very tight race though. Not over by any means. I I will say Brendan, I want to say is guaranteed to play play at least Eddie or myself in the last week because Eddie's Eddie and I are either going to be four or five in our division and I think Brendan's pretty much locked in at number number five okay so we're it will be high drama to end the year perfect that's what we like to see but let's go to probably what's going to be a very lengthy uh, segment here and that's our trades. We had quite a few. Our trade deadline was on Tuesday, along with the Major League trade deadline. Um, just as an aside, the trade deadline, the time next year, will be moved up earlier. Um, I woke up the next morning to quite a few texts, um, and I did not answer any of them because I was asleep. And... Uh, yeah, so that, that that actual deadline time is going to get moved up next year. Um, I don't I don't know why we did it. Well, we did it at twelve because Fantrax wouldn't let me change the time, but we're going to change the time next year just as a heads up. But anyways, back to the trades. The first one, and this is, we're going to recap. We we have a lot to recap, not just the deadline ones. So this one is Jerwin gives Daniel Bard and Charlie Blackman. Nate gives Aaron Ashby and Mackenzie Gore, two guys that he had just gotten in a trade with Scott. Jerwin, what were your thoughts on this one? So Nate approached me asking if I was interested in Gore, and I think another person, I forget who exactly it was, but um, I then asked about Ashby because I I kind of, I like Ashby quite a bit. Under the hood, his numbers are look really promising and he just has like a little bit of development left to do still before he's he's really really good but he has shown some of that upside um and yeah he asked me about blackman and bard two positions he wanted like a backup to take ashby's place and needed a right fielder so i it kind of it kind of just fell into place, peaceful negotiations. And um, I, my take is it's relatively fair. Ashby and Gore are both like kind of long shot keepers, but I think Ashby 
has the upside to be a, a pretty good keeper himself and could potentially also carry RP eligibility into next year. I think he needs one or two more games. And I don't know if the Brewers are going to stick with the sixth man the rest of the season. So, you know, uh, taking shots at upside, but Daniel Bard and Charlie Blackman aren't exactly like they're not superstars. So they weren't going to get much more than that. I don't think. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I like Aaron Ashby's upside. Um, I think Mackenzie Gore, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was injured at the time. Uh, he was, he was and, uh, and Nate in the negate in the negotiations said, uh, something along the lines of you won't get a shinier throw-in name than Gore, which is true. He, he's kind of a throw-in guy for me, but like a, a lottery ticket, I guess. He's he's shown the ability at least to be really good and productive. It's just whether or not he can do that for a whole season remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said, though. This, this seems very, very fair. Daniel Bard and Charlie Blackman are more just guys that you feel okay about starting. And I think that's that's kind of the caliber of player you were going to get for these types of keepers. Let's move on to the next one. It's Mike, who appears on here quite a few times. Uh, Mike gives Pablo Lopez and Brandon Nimmo. Courtney gives Frankie Montas. Uh, I'll lead off with this one. Um, I mean, I thought it was fine. I, Nimmo's, he walks quite a bit, so he's probably better in our league than he is in most. Um, and I think that the Lo- Lopez for Montas, and Montas was, for one thing, he was not a Yankee at this time, and for another thing, he was also, I believe he was also injured. Um, I think Pablo Lopez and Montas is a fair swap. So I don't, I, I think this one was fine as well. I know that Montas has this kind of like moderate keeper value, but it's not anything crazy. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, well, it's not the block, blockbuster I promised, so I hate it. But um, I, yeah, I think I agree. It's it's pretty fair. Probably like remains to be seen who won this. We'll see how each how how the how the players actually perform moving forward, and, and it, it could go either way. And yeah, Montas has some keeper value. It's it's on the lower end for me though, because his discount isn't isn't terribly high. All right, so we'll move on to the next one now. This one was a smaller one. Brendan gives Shane Baz, and you gave Mackenzie Gore, just saying, happy trails, Mr. Gore. Thanks for showing up. Why'd you send him away so quickly? Uh, Well, this one's a funny story. Brendan texted me and said, hey, you want to trade bench players? And I said, did you have anything in mind? He said, whatever you want. I had just recently acquired Gore and I've been trying to get balls all season. So I sent him this, um, like a, maybe like an hour before me, you and Jordan were like talking about keep, like valuing keepers and stuff and completely not connected to this. I brought up like Mackenzie Gore versus Shane Boz. And we like collectively sort of agreed, like, I would rather take a shot on Boz than Mackenzie Gore. And then like an hour later, I sent sent him this trade. And then after that, he accepted. So it was, it was truly, truly a wild time of, of circumstance. Um, but yeah, I think they're both likely 
as of right now, probably would go in a draft around where they're going to be kept next year. But I think if either of those players is going to um, sort of break that prediction and actually be worth more next year, I think it'll be Boz. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I, I, it's going to depend on health for a lot of the for both of them because they are both on the mend right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, per, given perfect health, I much prefer Shane Baz to Mackenzie Gore, and I, I think that he's the one that I can see a more clear ace outcome for. So I, I prefer Baz to Gore personally. All right, so we'll move on to another one, which no surprise here. Also contains Mike. Mike gave Matt Chapman and Nick finally unloaded Hunter Green. I feel like we've talked about maybe more than any other player in our group chat, but we haven't really actually touched on much on the podcast, which is weird. But what are your thoughts on this one? I I don't I don't like Hunter Green as a keeper very much. He's one of those like later round upside plays but he really he he's he's an interesting player because he um he's shown that he can do it he's had some really good starts so i think he has the talent to do it and sometimes that talent just kind of carries him through but he hasn't like put it all together anywhere near consistency to be able, I don't. I don't think he's worth a keeper if everything stays the same. I know he just had a really good start, but that was against Miami. Like I think JT Brewbreaker had a great start against Miami recently. So, um, yeah, I don't like Hunter Green that much. And Chapman's been really hot. Maybe he like cools off and sucks again because he had a really bad start to the year, but. I don't know. If you're trading the hot hand, I think I would want more than like a a lottery ticket upside play. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I I think I've kind of made my analysis on Hunter Green known, even though it wasn't on this podcast, but I I just I think that he's a guy that you can get like I, I don't see him as a keeper really at all. The amount the he would really have to go, like, really go off in the second half, and I mean, really go off for him to even be considered a keeper at his price. I believe he's an eleventh rounder next year, and honestly, you could draft Hunter Green, maybe like fifteenth round or beyond, in my opinion. Um, he's got upside, but he he has a ways to go before he's going to put it together. I was I was thinking he was much later than the eleventh round. I I take it all back. Not not worth not worth. No, I mean to me that's like when you when there's a player that you can actually draft well after uh, yeah. his keeper value, then that's just I don't know. That's just not for me. We'll move on to another the next one, which also has Mike. Uh, ironically, these are two players that used to be on my team. And now they're getting swapped for each other. So it all all comes full circle, I guess. But it, Mike gave up Ranger Suarez. Jordan gave up Carlos Correa. I'll start. I know that I kind of hated on Ranger Suarez uh, 
for me a lot. I hated the draft pick. I did not like did not like it. I did not like him for a long time. Um, but he's put together a nice little run. Um, Correa really hasn't been anything special this year, although I do think that he could have a better second half. Um, I know some of his X stats are a good deal better than his actual output. So he'd be a rebound candidate, but um, this feels like a fair price to me. Two guys that are kind of underperforming. One of them has spark eligibility, so that and pitching just as a whole, you, you're going to give up a worse pitcher for a better hitter, just talent-wise, in my opinion. That's just how, just kind of how the market is. So, yeah, I, I think this one was fine. This was about fair price. Yeah, I, I just wrote in my notes, fine. Period. Yeah, it's they. <laughs> Correa has like a, a little bit of keeper value for Mike, so that's that's good for him. Ranger Suarez has Sparp eligibility, so that's a nice little bonus for Jordan. All right, so we'll move on to another one that contains Mike. Mike gave up Gavin Lux. Nate gave up Gene Segura. Um, I, I I guess I just don't really understand. Like, if, I I know from a keeper standpoint. Actually, I don't even know from a keeper standpoint. I think Gene Segura is pretty late, but he was—he's either the twenty was drafted in the last round or the second to last round last year. I guess for late. me, like I just don't really know, like in what what state does your keeper pool have to be in to, if you're keeping Gene Segura? I, mean, <laughs> I can't yeah. like a more boring late round pick to just to just keep. Like I would rather have the pick to maybe pick somebody exciting that I'm excited to have. Not, Green Gene Segura. Yeah. But I mean, Gavin Lux is kind of a nothing for me anyways. I think he's like a rebound. I think he's another one that's a rebound candidate. So I do prefer Lux to Segura straight up. But uh, I mean, Lux is not. It, it, let me put it this way. Like if Nate wins the championship or even playoff game, I would be shocked if we're saying that this trade is the reason why. So like, I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on Mike here. I just like, I don't, I don't think that Gene Segura is any way worth keeping because he's just a boring 30 something year old middle infielder who doesn't really do a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did single-handedly win me a matchup against Scott with my last at bats on a Sunday night once this year. So he's got a little sentimental value for me, but yeah, I agree is keeping Gene Segura probably not going to happen unless like you're, you only have three viable keepers and you're like, well, we might as well throw Gene in for a fourth. Um, yeah. I think I lean Gavin Lux. Like you said, he's there. There are some signs that he, he can be better and he's just younger and has a, an actual future ahead of him. And Gene Segura is like, should retire sometime soon. Right. <laughs> like, all right, so now we're getting on to the trades that actually happened um, on deadline day, unless this Gavin Lux one did, and I just missed it. So this one is JC. He gave Rysel Iglesias, and then Sam gave up Steven Strasburg and Ryan Mountcastle. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. Um, Iglesias hasn't been great this season, and he got traded to... Um, it's the Braves, right? And he's going to be he's going to be pitching behind Kenley Jansen, so he's not he's not closing anymore uh, because of the trade that he had. 
Um, so like picking him up is like maybe a little something is fine. But that said, I don't like Strasburg or Mountcastle at all as keepers. So this feels like a little bit of maybe something for completely nothing. Yeah, I don't I don't really like Mountcastle too much and I mean I know that he's been pretty good in real life this year. I mean his his style just doesn't match our format really. He doesn't walk like ever and he strikes out a lot. So uh generally speaking those hitters in our format are not going to do real well, but I mean he he also plays in Camden, which is now a terrible terrible hitters park. For me though, Strasburg might actually be cooked. Like he might actually be done. Uh, I, I don't see myself in a redraft. I don't think really ever drafting him or him coming close to being drafted in, anymore. Uh, as far as Iglesias goes, though, um, he hasn't been real good to begin with this year, and uh, now he's going to a situation where he's not closing. Granted, he will be uh, setting up for a team that should have plenty of holds chances. I believe that the Braves were first in... Uh, I don't know if there's another term for it, but I'm just going to call it holds chances last year. They had two or three players in the top 15 in holds. Um, and I think that that trend has kind of continued this year. So if nothing else, he should have plenty of high leverage opportunities. And uh, maybe he'll turn it around, maybe he won't. But I, I don't think that, uh, even though Sam's not giving a lot, I don't know that he's necessarily getting a lot either here. So we'll move on to one that involves me, and that is Mike gives up Carlos Correa and John Carlos Stanton. Carlos Correa making his return to my team. I gave up Byron Buxton, and I'll lead off here. I know that Buxton is a keeper, but I don't know. His time on my team has just kind of soured me towards him. He's a very exciting player. I get it. The defense is incredible. The speed is great. But I, I just couldn't take it with the injuries and the sporadic playing time. So I figured I'd need to plug up shortstop. Correa could help, but like I said before, I think he's kind of a rebound candidate. And Stanton can have his moments. I have a lot of outfielders I can, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, I can, I can platoon Stanton with other players depending on how they're, how they're doing. So that was kind of the reason for that. I, I don't really like Buxton, but... I'm not going to deny that his he's the most talented player here. It's just I, I kind of reached my limit with how much I was going to take with him, and he wasn't going to definitely. He definitely was not going to really help me down the stretch because I wasn't really feeling comfortable enough to put him in my lineup. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, Buxton has good good value if he's performing at his at his ceiling, but his the question marks he has and the floor he carries with so much injury risk makes him, um, he's keepable, but you would certainly prefer others. Um, certainly you would prefer Austin Riley who Mike has and is in the same round. So I don't know if Mike forgot to check when people were drafted, but, this is this is a swing and a miss in my opinion for Mike because he picked up a guy who he is just not going to keep. Our next trade, I mean, it happens to be with one of the, 
one of the people in this one here. So we had this was really unexpected, um, for sure. Courtney gave up Francisco Lindor. Sam gave up Tim Anderson. This was a uh, little bit of a curious one. Um, I, I get it though. Like I don't know that Tim Anderson and Francisco Lindor are that dissimilar. Um, I know that Lindor is on a nice little heater right now. Uh, and Anderson, I don't remember if he has served his three-game suspension yet or he still has to, but he's he hasn't been real good as of late. But I, I think they're comparable. Um, I'm assuming that Courtney did this for his keeper, for Tim Anderson's keeper value, whereas Francisco Lindor doesn't really have any. Um, but this felt like, I felt fair to me. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really have anything else beyond that. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's fairly even. Um, but I, I think it does tip in Courtney's favor given Anderson's keeper value. Again. I mentioned last time when when we were talking about my trade with Sam where I gave him Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson doesn't have much keeper value for Sam specifically because he's the same round as Corbin Burns, which interestingly enough, well, we all know what happened. But uh, I, I guess it makes sense to try and offload Tim Anderson, but... Um, I think I like this for Courtney. Just you get more value out of it from being able to keep Anderson. All right. So our next one now involves me. And this was one that I spent like all day on negotiating uh, really back and forth. A lot of, a lot of proposals and uh, I'm, I'm happy with, uh, with the end result. I gave up Andrew Heaney and Jordan gave me, Jorge Lopez. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, another another risky arm for Jordan's starting rotation. Um, uh, Heaney has shown this year that when he's when he's on the field and he's on the mound pitching, he can be really good. He hasn't. I am not aware of any clunkers that he's had, but he just hasn't had many starts because of the injuries. So. Maybe he comes back and he's really good down the stretch for Jordan, but maybe he comes back, is good for a bit, and then gets hurt again and and harms Jordan. Then again, I, I think that's a, a fair price for Jorge Lopez because uh, Jordan Jordan has depth at RP right now, so he's. I think this was fine for him to do. Yeah, Jordan kind of had the reverse of what happened to me last year, where I had. Liam Hendrick, I traded for Liam Hendricks, and I already had Craig Kimbrell, and then Craig Kimbrell got traded uh, to the White Sox, and that kind of screwed me up. But Jordan sort of had the reverse happen, where he had Jorge Lopez and and uh, Orioles setup man, I think it was Felix Batista, and um, Jorge Lopez gets traded to a situation that should be pretty good to collect saves in, and does not really have anyone standing in his way. And suddenly, feel that now he has two pretty good closers. So he he was able to. It was real last second, but he ended up getting uh, just an extra trade trip, chip at kind of the right time. And um, my bullpen sucks, and I needed a steady reliever. So uh, Andrew Heaney, uh, happy trails. Hope he hope he does well for Jordan's stable of 
risky arms. So that'll bring us to our main portion of the podcast. And excited to get to this one because Jerwin has put in a lot of work into this, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a scientific formula, scientific uh, tiers. I don't, in any event, there were numbers. And uh, Jerwin, if you want to explain this, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the keeper pools of our sellers. So that is going to be Scott, Mike, Jerwin, Eddie, Brendan, and JC. And uh, we're going to go through and we're going to grade the keeper pools. But what I wanted to have for Jerwin on this episode is he came in and, and figured out his own tiers where each keeper is going to be within a tier based on some criteria. So, Jerwin, do you want to take over to share? Sure. So uh, I will say up front, this is kind of an experimental thing. Um, and it putting like labels on these tiers is going to, you're going to lose a lot of like nuance and stuff. So sometimes you might have a guy in what I call tier two that you might want to actually keep over a guy who is in my tier one or something like that. Um, but again, that's that's why I find this conversation of keepers so interesting is because we have so many differing opinions. So without further ado, uh, my keeper tiers that I am operating from for grading these keeper pools. Uh, tier one, I consider to be elite players with high discounts. So your Corbin Burns is of the world. Like Corbin Burns, first round draft pick, one of top three pitcher um and he was i think next year he's going to be the eighth round or the tenth round the tenth round next year so very high discount on him and you know back when he was first drafted and kept it was it was even higher than that so that's tier one tier two is a set it and forget it player uh with high discount or an elite player with any discount um, I should I should mention here elite. I'm kind of loosely defining as their f- first two to three rounds, as in like a regular redraft league. So not our league where a bunch of players are already kept, but in a regular redraft, would this player go in the first two or three rounds? Uh, set it and forget it are, are self-explanatory. Like you're you're gonna just leave them in their lineup. They're gonna start for you all year. Um, that's so. Uh, that's tier two. Tier three uh, would be high discount, but question marks. I think Byron Buxton's a good example of this. Like he's again really good discount for where his um, where his ceiling would be, but you don't know if he's going to be on the field. You don't know if he's going to, you know. I think this year a lot of the, a lot has been like playing through injury and so his performance has suffered that sort of thing um and then also in tier three would be like a low discount set and forget it starting caliber i think um ty france on my team this year might fit this category pretty well he's going to be the eighth round next year which i think is like a couple rounds later than he'll probably go but He's at least a guy who you feel comfortable just starting all year, assuming he's healthy. Uh, Tier four, I have as elite but negligible discount. 
which um, a good example would be this year I kept Trey Turner in the first round. Um, that's a negligible discount. He's He was going to be drafted in the first round anyways, but the value there is I get to guarantee that this player is mine before we start drafting. That, that's kind of the logic there. Uh, and then tier five would be late round upside flyer. These are like your, you know, heading into this year, Julio Rodriguez might be one of these. Um, hey, they're a, a lot of the prospects that we've had in the league over the years are probably, probably in this category. They haven't really shown much yet, but you know that they, they could turn into really good players and they're really late in the draft. So you could maybe take a shot on them if you don't have anyone better. And then tier six is like, please don't keep these kinds of players. Uh, I have as just starting caliber player, but with like negligible discount. I don't know. So Gene Segura. Gene Segura might be, <laughs> might be one, but um, I mean, if he's starting caliber, then you can maybe consider him going that late as a discount. But I'm thinking like, you know, a guy who you're okay having in your starting lineup who you were going to draft in the 10th round anyways. So you keep him in the 10th round, that kind of guy. And uh, that is, that is all my tears. So uh, we can uh, continue on. So we're about to get into our main segment of the podcast, which is the keeper pool grades. Jerwin had just gone over his tears. If you missed that, go back to part one towards the end. So, Jerwin, let's get right into it. I'm going to start off with Scott, since he was kind of the first one to be a seller. What do you give him as a grade? All right. So I have Scott as a grade C. Again, kind of how I did this was looking at the tiers and thinking, like, tier one is an A, tier two players are a B, tier three players C, and so forth. So I gave Scott a C. Um, this first take I have on his keeper pool is going to make people upset and I apologize in advance, but I, I am willing to hear arguments against it because I'm, I'm not entirely sold on this take myself. I have his two best keepers as Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez, and I have them as tier twos. Um, I just... They've had stretches this season where they have been elite, but I don't think that they necessarily have the track record or have shown enough consistency for me to think that they would be one of those like top, uh, top two to three round players. I could be wrong. Maybe they are, and they could totally prove me wrong and completely go off the second half. I don't want to say they're bad. They're not. I just don't know if they're quite at that level of elite. Um, plus, Julio has that injury right now. I don't know. I didn't really look into how serious it was. And I think Bobby Witt also went a little earlier in last year's draft. I want to say he's it was the 12th round maybe and uh, and he'll be a ninth round next year i should have looked more into this but his discount at that, least is correct. not as okay his discount at least is not as high as julio's um 
so yeah, I have them as tier twos. You can all fight me in the chat later. I'm open to it. And then tier threes, those like question mark guys, we don't really, they might have a good discount, but we're not sure uh, what they're going to do. I have Clevenger, I think might be in this category. Carrasco, he's getting up there in age, but he's been pretty good this year. I put Wander in here, Wander Franco. Um with the injury that he has and a little bit of inconsistency this year, he might be, I think he might also be in this category, but again, I'm not entirely sold on that. He might be more of a tier two and he can prove me wrong. Uh, I have Vaughn here, Andrew Vaughn. He's kind of been up and down this season. He's looked good at times, but not entirely sold on him, but he's got a significant enough discount, I think, to put him in this Dustin May, I think Dustin May could actually uh, also be like come back and prove to be like more of a tier two with a pretty good discount. I like him a lot. And then Jesus Lazardo, uh, I did he come back from his injury yet? Yeah, he's he's back. He just pitched uh, against Cincinnati, five innings, two runs, five strikeouts. Okay, so so not not terrible. Like, what was his velocity at? Because that would be the big question. Uh, his velocity was, I believe, it was sitting. Let's say it was ninety-five, ninety-six. A little down from where he was earlier in the year. Okay, it's it's first game back, so maybe we can we can forgive. But I at least he at least has some of those question marks. He was kind of up and down a bit, even with the the really improved velocity. And then at tier five, I have George Kirby as like a late round flyer. He again, he has shown upside, but he's kind of been inconsistent. So overall with no tier ones, at least in my opinion, two tier twos and then mostly tier threes to make up his five, I I give a C for Scott. I think we're in for a, uh, some tough grades here. I would have had him a little higher. Um, I, I think Rodriguez has shown enough where he's probably a tier one. Um, I don't know. That, I mean, he's shown more than, than Wit, even though they're very close in points per game. But Rodriguez does have a significant discount. I think the upside for Rodriguez might be a smidge higher. I still like Wander Franco a lot. I think he's kind of built for this format where he doesn't ever strike out. Um, discount's not really too much, but I still think if he were available, he'd go early round. Uh, same thing with Wit. He would probably go a little earlier than uh, and his discount, but um, his is his discount's not quite a, quite as much as someone like Rodriguez. But um, I don't know. I think Scott might have a nice little core, maybe of those three guys. Um, there are a lot of question marks though. Um, Clevenger, like you said, he's hurt all the time and. Um, it's been a while since we've seen Pete Clevenger. I do. I am a little more optimistic on Kirby, though. Um, I, I do kind of like him. Uh, the control has been pretty good, and that's sort of what he's what he's known for. Um, so I think that there is hope that he can kind of develop into maybe maybe what Alec Manoa has been this year. Manoa's strikeouts have been a little down, but. Um, I think that Kirby has kind of has that in him. I'm not saying that he'll do that. I think Manoa had a better year last year, and he's obviously been outstanding this year. Uh, 
but I, I think Kirby kind of has that upside in him. And this is one guy where Scott will have him for a couple, might have him for a couple of years. So there's there's plenty of time to see that kind of develop. Uh, so I would grade, I would go a little higher, maybe like a B. Um, but yeah, I think you're you're, I think you're going to be the professor that everybody hates because they grade so tough. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go I, up to the next one. I will say the highest grade I gave was a B plus. So like Scott's Oof. not that far off from having one of the the best keeper pools in my opinion and again like i i could be totally wrong about julio and bobby and and i i think i agree with you kirby does have like with the control that he's shown he does have a lot higher of a floor than a lot of you know first year pitchers who don't don't always avoid the walk troubles uh just coming up from the minors so um he definitely he has a lot greater margin for error than a lot of those those kind of guys as he's as he's starting to develop so we're going to move to the next one that is mike what was your grade from mike mike i gave a c plus and the reason he's just edging out scott from me is his tier one keeper in Austin Riley, who, as we know, has been an absolute monster of late. And he's 16th round, which would put him at round 12 next year. So um, pretty high discount, pretty, pretty elite numbers. And now that I'm saying it, I, I'm... I'm immediately regretting my Julio and Bobby takes because, like, they they are kind of in that same range of performance where, like, Austin Riley I think was ad- averaging two and a half points a game maybe like a month or two ago. Actually, it was around when Mike first got him, and you know what? I'm I'm gonna bump Scott up to to a C plus here as well, maybe even a B minus, just because like I really like Austin Riley and. I feel like you can make the case for Julio and Bobby to be in that, that same category, but yeah. So continuing on with Mike Shohei, I think is a tier two. He doesn't have the most, the biggest discount of everyone, anyone ever. I think he's sixth round next year. Um, but for Otani, that's plenty. Um, and then in tier three, Again, there's Buxton who has question marks, but he can't keep Buxton and Riley without dropping to four keepers. Handiger was another one I saw. He's he's fairly decent discount, and I, I guess just coming off of injury, it just remains to be seen if he's actually going to be good still. Uh, Detmers I have here in key, tier three, but I think he has he could he could potentially move up to more of like a tier two kind of guy. Um, he's shown some success recently and it's because of a new slider that he's, he's throwing harder. So that, that old adage of if there's a change then it might be real, like I might be buying into Detmers. That's why I put him as high as tier three, but I, he certainly has the potential to go higher. Uh, and then also here I have Freddie Peralta, 
at tier three, pretty good discount. He's just had some injury troubles this year and didn't, didn't look great for, for stretches of the season. So um, a bit in that questionable, questionable range for me. And then um, he's got a bunch of like tier five upside flyers and Cruz, Abrams, Hunter Green, although we already talked about him. Um, Cabrera is another one. And I have Segura here in tier five, even though like, do you really want to keep Gene? Uh, The only reason is he's so late. You might want to if you have nothing else. And uh, Patino, I think, was another one. And then in tier six, I have Frankie Montas. I don't know. I think it's fifth round next year. I don't know that. And, and this, again, is where the tiers kind of becomes hard. Like maybe someone wants to keep a Frankie Montas because he's more of a known quantity over someone like C.J. Abrams or O'Neal Cruz, uh, even though they have like bigger discounts. But for me, I think I'd rather if, if it if I could only keep one, I would rather take a shot on a guy like Cruz or Abrams with the discounts than Montas, who I think is probably in that fifth round range anyways next year. So yeah, he was he was down there for me. So a C plus I gave to Mike the bulk of his he's he's got two really solid guys in Riley and Shohei and then a bunch of those like middle tier keepers. Yeah, I like what you said about Detmers. I think that he could be kind of a wild card here where he could go up into a territory where he's is a very nice keeper. Um but yeah, Shohei Otani and Austin Riley are probably the, the cream of the crop. For this um, for this keeper pool, Freddie Peralta too is another one, but I, I think I, I was a little worried about inconsistency with him this year. Um, I'm not a fan of his mechanics, but uh, in any event, he was very good last year. He's still coming at a pretty hefty discount despite the injury troubles this year. Um, I oh god, yeah. I I also want to say about Mike's keeper pool it would be a lot closer to that like B plus where is where my highest grade would be if he still had Alejandro Kirk and Carlos Rodon. And like, you'll notice like Luis Severino's not on this list for me because I, I think he's got to like the injury risk and the, he, he also had like, at least a little bit of inconsistency this year, but Freddie Peralta being that question mark kind of guy and Severino, I think being too much of a question mark for. I don't a, a good move for Mike. I'd, I'd much rather see, you know, Rodon, Kirk, Riley and Shohei as a top four. And then, you know, maybe he's hanging on to Detmers or something as the fifth guy. Like, I like that keeper pool a lot more. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I I would not. I, I prefer the – I'd prefer when I'm taking keepers to not deal my better one for two lesser ones. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that, I guess that's just my 
my thoughts on it. I would rather, personally, I'd rather have Radon than either of Peralta or Severino. Um, but I mean, and to be fair to Mike, though, Severino did get hurt well after this deal. That that is true. That that's more of like a, it aged poorly for him. But I, I think even at the time, I would I would have still preferred Rodon over two of those guys. Yeah, I I think I would have bumped his grade up a little bit. But I think the fact that as a seller that you you dealt for a pretty good keeper pool, I would say, and then I think you got rid of two of the top four, two of the top three, depending on where you want to have Kirk. Um, in Rodon and Kirk, uh, I, I think that would I would bump it down maybe maybe to where you've had it like us in the C plus territory or C territory. Uh, so now we're going to move on to a team that is very near and dear to your heart, and that is you. What did you give yourself? It's always tough to grade yourself. Yeah, I'm going to get criticized, but I I'm one of the teams. Oh, spoilers! There is multiple who got a b plus from me but i am one of the teams who got a b plus um and you know maybe i'm a little bit biased but i'm also the positivity guy so i gotta i gotta be high on my guys or else you know we're gonna crash and burn um but i have as tier ones for me uh dylan cease and tyler glasnow i think glasnow in a redraft league coming back healthy he he would go in in the early rounds uh and dylan cease has i think last i checked he was like sp6 right now which i think is solidly in in the first round i know like you and i have talked about him a lot we talked about him way early on in the season he does have his problems i'll admit but like he's he's performed so well despite them and he's young and could uh, you can't bank on it but he could totally like get the walks under control get the efficiency into a better place and truly be like an, an animal like he has such good stuff um but with how good he's been in the discount that he has and how good Glasnow has been in years past and I think coming off of Tommy John with the discount that he has I have them as top tiers I will I will say again like having ranked Julio and Bobby Witt as tier twos I, I think those guys are on the top end of tier twos pushing pushing into that elite tier of tier ones Dylan Cease and Tyler Glasnow, I kind of see as tier ones who I could see an argument for them being closer to to tier twos because Glasnow coming off of Tommy John, there's all there's question marks there, of course. Um, and Dylan Cease again with the issues that he has. But anyways, I'm going to talk way too much about my guys because they're my guys. Tier two, I have Jacob Degrom. He the reason he's not a tier one is because his discounts just not anywhere near Tyler and Dylan's. Um, but he's Jacob Degrom, so he he's he's the poster child for elite but low discount. Uh, and then those are my top three, and then I have a bunch of tier threes that can fill the last two spots in 
Ty France, who I think is one of those set it, uh, I mentioned earlier, set it and forget it, but not the craziest discount, but you're at least happy having him. I have Eric Lauer here. He's got like maximum discount and, but he's got those question marks, like his velocity went down, but now it's back, but he's still been kind of inconsistent. Uh, I also have Tarek Skubal here, who is round 13, so 10th next year. Um, he, he went through his rough patch, but he's kind of bounced back. But now he's also dealing with forearm issues, which is scary. Or it's like a, I think it was forearm. It was something to do with his arm, and they're putting him on the IL. So that's scary. So there's question marks there. And then Michael Kopech's another one. He, I, I think he's suffering from not, like, he's already way past his innings from last year because he was in the bullpen last year, and now he's transitioned to to the rotation. And, like, all season, even, like, before he passed that passed that mark, his, his stuff has not been as good as it was last year. So there, there's the question of whether or not he can get back to the 2021 form when he was in the bullpen uh, as a starter, or maybe they just move him back to the bullpen or something like that. Um, so those are, those are like the guys fighting for the last two spots in my top five. And then tier five, I have a bunch of guys as like late round flyers, Riley green, uh, Alex Kirilov. He's, he got hurt again. His wrist has been bothering him for years now. So that's that's a problem. Aaron Ashby, I mentioned, he's kind of like a discount flyer, although his discount's not as high as the other guys. But uh, again, I like I like the stuff I see from him. So he could he could push more into that tier three category, maybe. Grayson Rodriguez, he started a throwing program recently, so that's exciting. Shane Boz, I talked about him when we talked about the trade. Jesse Winker, who been really down year compared to last year, obviously. Um, but like he's shown signs here and there that he can maybe turn it around. So maybe he does, and he's got a significantly late round pick next year. Um, and then Gregory Soto, who's been kind of like a decent-ish reliever. And he was drafted in like the 20s last year. So he's got a high discount. He's kind of a throw in name here. But yeah, so that's my B plus team. Yeah, I think I would agree with your assessment. I, I like your pool. Um, just a, a quick note on, on Turek Skubal. Um, he, it's a, the, all that I can find is that they placed him on the injured list with left arm fatigue, which really that could mean just about anything. Yeah, it it could be really not bad. Helpful. Yeah, not not good, but it could be really bad, or it could be like he just needs to rest. Like, might just be like dead arm syndrome, whatever they call that, and he'll be back, and it, it won't be a serious concern. Or it could be, you know, he's gonna die now. Yeah, I really like your top three. Uh, Cease has been excellent. Degrom is Degrom, and um. I would also say I want to also add. Uh, like you said Ty France. Um, like he's, I still think we kind of underrate him, but he's should still be okay. Like I like I don't think that you would be 
mad about uh, being able to start Ty France. One thing about Tyler Glasnow, though, I think we saw with Justin Verlander, um, just where he was coming to draft season. I, I believe that Glasnow's timetable would have him in a similar spot. So um, I don't know that he's really going to have maybe maybe a little bit of restrictions out of the gate, but I think he should be pretty much a full go within like a month or two, probably probably closer to a month of when the season starts. I don't believe the Rays would really be motivated to baby him in the same way that the Astros aren't really with Verlander. Uh, Glasnow's a free agent after next season, so um, I don't think that the Rays would really be motivated to play their normal their normal games with him. Um, I don't know if Glasnow is durable enough that he'd be able to withstand that, but uh, just a, I guess like a, it's just a, a positive because you know it's never really a good thing for their fantasy value if uh, a player has an innings limit attached to them. So I, I I agree with your with your assessment. I would also give you somewhere in the B plus range. I think you did a good job. Thanks. Go to we're gonna go to Eddie now. Eddie should he did not make very many moves. Um, just in total, he didn't make many many trades. Um, but I did classify him as a seller here because of the uh, because of the trade with Max Scherzer. Would you give Eddie as his grade? I have I have Eddie as a C plus also. I think his tier one in Corey Seager is a, is a really good pick. His tier twos I have as uh, Javier and Matt Olson. Matt Olson has been really hot lately. If I'm remembering, I looked at his team like a couple days ago. Um, but yeah, he's been really good, and he's got a decent. Uh, they've got decent. Um, Discounts. That's the word. Um, so those are that's a, that's a pretty solid top three. Um, his next two I have in tier three are Edmund and Cronenworth, but uh, Cronenworth's been he had like a good stretch this year, but otherwise he's kind of been been disappointing. I think he's a guy who's like suffered a lot from the change in in the baseball and you know environmental issues he, he's one of those guys who was like right on the edge and he was be good he was good because of juice balls and now that the juice ball is gone he's kind of like fallen below the line and is has, has suffered from that Edmund got off to a really hot start and I think we were really excited about him as a keeper i'm sure eddie probably was but he's cooled off a lot so he's in that like questionable tier for me um i have his tier four Catel Marte. he doesn't have a big discount i want to say he's the third round next year i could be remembering that wrong and he got off to a really slow start but again when i was looking at eddie's team Marte was going off lately so he he's a guy i i have him as Marte question mark he could down the stretch earn that tier four status and be worth a keep in those early rounds as like a really as an elite player because he's been playing that way lately but other than that he might he 
unless that happens, he's probably not keepable. And then tier fives ready. I have Adolis Garcia, Eloy, uh, Brian Hayes, and says gray here. I forget which gray it is. It'd be Josiah Gray. I can also confirm. Josiah Gray, there we go. Uh, Cattell Marte will be a third rounder next year. Yeah. And now that I now that I have it pulled up, it was the um not this week, but the last week he averaged four point four three. The seven days before that it was three point four seven. Over the last thirty days it's two point eight nine. So maybe maybe not quite worth it, but if he if he strings together a bunch of weeks like the two prior to the the last seven days, then he could he could maybe earn it. But yeah, he's he's at least someone you want to keep on your roster just in case. I think. Yeah, I think I would have Eddie. I think I would have him at a C. Part of it is he didn't. It didn't seem like he actually went like full send towards the seller, which that that's fine, but. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not crazy about Chris Sale. I wasn't before the injury and I'm definitely not now. Uh, I'm not crazy about him returning to be the Chris Sale that we all remember. I still love Corey Seager. I still think that's a good discount there. Uh, Olsen's turned it around enough that I I think he might be worth it. I don't, I'll be honest. I don't really see much of a way. And I, I love Cattell Marte as it's known from last year. I don't really see much of a way that Cattell Marte was is going to be worth a third rounder uh, this upcoming year. I think that that's probably where he would be drafted uh, at the earliest. So I, I think that you'd be basically just keeping him at peak value. I don't know that there's really much profit to be gained there. Uh, you could probably get him later than that. Um, Edmund, you said, has kind of fallen off. And I'm, I'm not crazy about Hayes or Eloy or even Garcia myself. Um, I know that there's a lot of depth here. I guess I forgot to mention Javier. Um, I do like Javier, uh, but I just I don't see a whole lot of depth here, and I also don't high end pieces. Um, but this is, I think it's still solid. I'm just wondering if Eddie maybe would have moved like a DJ LeMahieu or uh, Cedric Mullins. Um, maybe could have gotten some higher end uh higher end pieces but he also i guess a wild card would be lance mccullers um mccullers has been pretty good uh when he's been on the field he's a pretty late round pick i believe um i want to say he's going to be a 16th rounder next year but i I could be wrong Hmm. Uh, he's been very good when on the field though so i think he's kind of a wild card here i did miss that one that's a that's a fair pick i i do agree with you like you said, I mean, there's just fewer names on here than a lot of the other teams. And I know I've said on the podcast before, like volume isn't exactly the, a great approach for keepers, but I mean, if you have like a solid top three, like I think Eddie does, you might want to have like more, if, if you don't have anyone else in those top two tiers, you might want to have more names fighting for the last two spots from like a tier three. Um, Cause like I, that's why I have like, I've added like a, 
at least a few different guys to kind of fight for those last two spots just to see who who wins the job basically um like i know i can't keep all of them but i at least want to like hedge my bets and have them on my team to have the option in case they're you know whoever's better comes to the top eddie eddie doesn't really have that uh to at least not to the degree that other teams do Right, so that brings us to our play, actual playoff teams, or the teams that are in the playoffs right now, the first of which is holding down our eighth seed, and that is Brendan. Uh, Brendan kind of decided to sell a little after. I guess Eddie was Eddie was uh, still in the hunt, but he definitely started selling after Jerwin, Mike, and Scott did. But I still think he has a pretty good pool. What would you grade Brendan? Brendan, Brendan is my other top pool at a B plus. He's got tier ones, I believe, in Rodon and Musgrove. Um, the they're just two really good, really great pitchers. Rodon has a really, really good discount, as we know. Um, his tier twos I have Jordan Alvarez, I think, is another one of those like elite players, but he's capable in the fourth next year so not a huge discount but for Jordan Alvarez it's enough of a discount um, I will say there is a weakness I feel in Brendan's pool as I have another tier two being Adley Rutschman he's looked really good since like coming up and struggling a little bit initially but he looks like he's adjusted pretty well um and he's got a a pretty good discount the problem is for brendan's team he's the same round as joe musgrove and i i did say my predictions adley would pass joe and be like the clear choice but you know as of right now if we're just taking how things are i think adley is a is a tier below musgrove right now so that's a problem for brendan he can't keep both without only keeping four. Granted, Rodon, Musgrove, uh, Jordan Alvarez, and Adley Rutschman is a pretty solid four, but um, you still generally, I think, want to keep keep five over over cutting your your um, losses down. Uh, I have backing up, fighting over the last spot or two on his uh, in his pool. In tier three, I have Dansley Swanson, who again, hopefully is kept and then dropped so that we can have our banger league league history fact. Uh, I have Tristan McKenzie here. He's been good and he has a pretty good discount, but I'm not like a lot of his peripherals, like he's outperforming his expected, like his ERA estimators by a good bit. So... He has question marks, at least for me. Um, and then I also threw in this tier today, Stephen Kwan, who's been pretty decent lately. Um, and he's got a pretty pretty late round discount. Um, and then tier fives, he just picked up Gore. So he's got a, he's got a flyer in case everything, in case he, he needs it, you know? Yeah, I actually would be even more uh, optimistic on this pool. I would give him an A. 
I have Alvarez. I, I would have him in, as a tier one because I, I honestly think he could be a first-round caliber player, and you're getting him very late. Uh, and I think he, he's got three of those. He's obviously Musgrove and Rodon. I, I don't I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if he had to only keep four because with the way that, Ruch, that Rutschman's been playing, uh, he could honestly be up there maybe in the tier two range with um, where we kind of have Julio and uh, Witt. Rutschman's been outstanding for um, about the past month, maybe even a little longer than that. Really started to turn it on, and any production, any guy with a pulse at catcher is worth something, and this guy has been fantastic. So even if he only does keep four, I, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world with the quality that he has. And um, he's going to have all his early picks open. Uh, if he does choose to go five, that's fine. I think that... Um, Dansby Swanson and Tristan McKenzie would be fine. Um, McKenzie, even though you said the peripherals aren't all great, uh, he still is drafted. Was drafted pretty late. Yeah, um, he would. He would still be, I think, a discount over where he would get drafted. And it's always good to have a high upside pitcher pretty late because that can turn out to be something else too. So I, I like what Brendan's done here a lot. I would. I would give him an A. Um, I, I think I would be a little more optimistic. He'd be my—he's my top grade for the sellers for the keeper pools. Uh, I think he's—he's he's really done. He's really done an excellent job. Sorry, I had, I had to pick your arch rival to get a higher grade than you. No, I'm—I'm I'm not mad. No, you know, here's here's the thing. We might we might have a heated rivalry and hate each other's guts, but you know, I'm I'm a positive guy, so you know, I, I gave us both the same grade. But if I if I had to pick one, I think I would pick Brendan's, uh, just because, like I said earlier, with mine, Dylan Cease and Tyler Glasnow as tier ones, I think are borderline, and you can make a case for them being more tier twos. Um, but I don't, I don't think there's a case for that for Rodon and Musgrove. Um, I am interested, you said you would consider Jordan Alvarez a tier one, uh, in the fourth round next year. I would, because I think he's a first round caliber bat. Do you think Jacob deGrom is a tier one next year? I think that deGrom has a little more injury risk at this point than Alvarez does. He's also... A good bit older. Wow. Horrible take, but, you know. So we will now grade JC's keeper pool. And uh, he did not have quite as much to work with. It wasn't really through any fault of his own. Uh, he had Walker Bueller get hurt. Um, and there was also underperformance from another one who would be one of his uh, one of his big pieces to move in Bo Bichette. Uh, so JC really didn't make too many moves, but I did classify him as a seller here. Um, really the only big one I think was when he brought in Kyle Tucker. Um, he also, I know is keeping, well, he has the option to keep Salvador Perez. Uh, so Jerwin, what would you grade JC? Yeah, I, I gave him a C. Um, again, he's got that tier one and Kyle Tucker. Um, for next season, uh, I didn't have any tier twos for him and, you know, maybe people can yell at me for that later, but I have a bunch of tier threes at least. Um, 
Joe Ryan is like a maybe interesting kind of guy. I think Tyler Malley uh, has looked a lot better since his early season struggles. He he could be a legit keeper for JC. Uh, Nick Lodolo has shown some improvement as well. Um, and he's uh, fairly late. Um, I have CJ Crone, who's he looked really good early season but has fallen off a bit so he's again just the question marks there puts him in tier three for me and then i have bachette and good old salvi also here in tier three um just as a quick note bachette is not keepable oh well then in that case he's just He's just here hanging out with the guys. Um, Salvador Perez uh, has looked better since returning from his latest injury. Um, but yeah, he's he's struggled a fair bit this year, as most catchers have. But he still at least flashes the kind of skills that made him really a really good keeper last year. And if he if he kind of gets back into that groove in the second half, I can see him see him being you know, in this tier three, maybe even a tier two, considering how shallow catcher is. Um, And then in tier six, I have Strasburg and Mountcastle, just to reiterate that you don't want to keep these guys. Yeah, I don't think that there's, JC, I think is the toughest one to grade because he didn't make a whole lot of moves and frankly, he didn't have a whole lot to offer. Just like the, when your two best players are underperforming and hurt, uh, not really a whole lot you can do, but he did he did a good job bringing in Kyle Tucker. Um, I, I really like Tucker. I think he's definitely a tier one. Uh, again, there's not really a whole lot I don't think he could have done here. So very tough to grade. I, I guess I would maybe grade him like, like a B minus. I don't know. Again, I'm not sure he can be graded on the same scale as the other as the other teams since he not only sold a little later in the game, but he also didn't quite have as much to, to deal with some of the other teams. So that brings us to the end of our, of our main segment. Uh, thanks, Jerwin, for putting the tiers together. Definitely interesting content. And like you said, a lot of people about value keepers differently. So I'm sure that um, I'm sure that they, they're looking at the tiers and being like, well, I have this guy in this tier. And I'm sure there's I'm sure the keepers are not the same. They're not in a, they're not in a single tier across everybody, which I mean, obviously they are. Cause I said, Rodriguez was a tier one and you have him as a tier two, but I'm sure there's plenty of that. So thanks again for making that, putting that together made for a good segment. So now we're going to go to our matchup preview, looking ahead to this week. Uh, Jerwin, what is your thing to watch for? Uh, I have mine as how will the deadline trades pan out in the playoffs? Uh, will the big buyers get their big wins? And uh, will uh, lottery tickets uh, get their returns? Get out your crystal balls, everybody. We have to look into the future to see how those work out. Um, my thing to work to watch for is Jacob deGrom finally returned. Uh, he looked pretty good. However, he was also facing arguably a triple-A lineup in the Washington Nationals without Juan Soto and without Josh Bell. Uh, So I'm excited to see more of DeGrom against 
maybe some better talent. Uh, hopefully he looks normal. Hopefully he looks good because when he does, uh, he is the best pitcher. on. And I don't really think it's particularly close. The guy is an absolute monster. Uh, if you have the opportunity to watch him live, definitely take it. It is, it is a joy to watch. Uh, so that's my thing to watch for. Now we're going to go to our matchup predictions. Nate is finally back to 300 at 30 and 30. I am at 36 and 24 guest after a spectacular week last week, all the way up at 55 and 23 uh, might be out of reach for all of us. I'm not sure. Cause I don't really want to do the math right on the spot, but we're going to go here. I am going to try to make up some ground. Hopefully Jerwin just absolutely sucks this week. Here we go to our, with our first game. It's the one that I am in. It is me versus JC giving the vote of confidence to myself in this one. What do you have? I also picked your team. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> the one we have is Brendan versus Scott. I'm going with Brendan here. Uh, I'm I'm going I picked Scott because I need Brendan to lose. So Terrible pick. Both, both for playoffs and for uh, my own personal grudges. Uh, so this next one is our probably our matchup of the week. And this is Nick versus Sam. I'm actually going to take Sam here. Do you have? Oh, you thought you were being bold, but I also took Sam here. Well, my bold take is no longer so bold. So next we have Mike versus Jordan. I'm going to take Jordan in this one, despite his risky pitching staff. True. Very risky indeed. But yes, I also, I also sided with the research. Up next is Courtney versus Eddie. I have Courtney here. Uh, who do you have? I have Courtney as well. It sounds like I'm not going to make up too much ground, even if everything goes right. Here's our last one. It is the one that you are in. Nate versus you. I have Nate. I, I believe it is an established rule on this podcast that you pick the team that Jacob deGrom is pitching twice for. So obviously I have to pick myself in this matchup, both because Jacob deGrom is pitching twice and I have to win. So... I didn't realize that DeGrom was pitching twice. Those were last year. Those were the, the very fun weeks for me. I believe he plays Atlanta on Saturday. So that'll be a good test for his second, second trip back. And we'll get to see him in against some real lineups. So this is a portion of the podcast where we would normally do the league history fact. However, when I pulled up the itinerary, the leak history fact was no longer on it, and I did not think about it until we were about ready to record. I remembered that Nate sent me a text and said, "Hey, this is we're not doing this segment this week, but you know we're going to do it for the rest of the season." I forgot, so that's my bad. Jerwin, do you have a leak history fact for us? I, I, I do. I happened to just glance through the league history doc. Uh, between recording sessions and I looked and last year league mega keeper Spencer Strider 
had one of the worst scores in fantasy with a total of seven points on the entire season, at least according to the league history doc. So terrible player turned superstar. What a story. There you have it. That is Jerwin's league history fact of the week. Let's get into news and notes. We're just going to fire through these really quickly. I just want you to tell me stock up, stock down, or the or stock the same for these names that were moved at the trade deadline. And I'm just doing these in roughly in the order that they were dealt. Uh, so we're going to start off with, I guess some of these were moved a little before the trade deadline, but you know, deadline season and all. Andrew Benintendi, he goes from the Royals to the Yankees. Okay. I was, I was going to remind you to tell me where they went because I might not remember all of them. Uh, but I think stock has to be at least a little bit up. He's pitching in a better ballpark with a better team. So just as a reminder, he's bit. not pitching. Or yeah, sorry. He's, he's hitting in a better <laughs> ballpark um, with a better, with a better lineup around him. So I guess maybe a little bit up. He hits for average. So this next one is Luis Castillo. He goes from the Reds to the Mariners. I think this definitely has to be up going to a better ball ballpark like the reverse of jesse winker going to seattle jesse winker has suffered a lot from from moving out there but castillo's a pitcher so he i think he's gonna do better yeah castillo for me personally might be the biggest riser on this list uh, this next one is josh Hader. he goes from the brewers to the padres um i guess probably a little bit up if anything at all he's He's just really good, and he's pitching for a, a better team, so he might have more chances. But um, not not a lot of wiggle room when you're already the best reliever. Yeah, I think this is going to be about the same for Hader. Um, is if anything, I think the Brewers will probably have more chances. I think they had more chances so far this year, uh, but those are very hard to predict. So I'm going to say about stock the same. Next one is Frankie. Mo moves from the A's to the Yankees. I feel like same logic as Benintendi, but in reverse, so probably down. The the A's park is a lot better than Yankee Stadium, so pro probably down. Then again, his wins are probably going to go up not playing for the A's, so maybe about the same, but if anything, down. Yeah, I, I think that this is probably about the same just because Montas is more of a ground ball guy anyways. And I think that the wins will maybe offset some of the some of the uh, the cheap home runs the Yankee Stadium gives up. Next one's Trey Mancini. He moves from the Orioles to the Astros. I think gut reaction probably up, but like the Orioles were actually playing pretty well recently, so maybe not. I guess he he has only up to go in terms of fantasy, probably. So, yeah, I think for me, Mancini is actually one that's way up, and I'll tell you why. Uh, he's one of the ones that will really benefit moving to, uh, I think it's Minute Maid Park, for the Astros, because of that short left field porch. Mm. Um, it's basically the anti Camden yards now. Uh, Mancini only has, I believe, 11 home runs on the year. And um, maybe it's 11 at home. I don't remember when I saw this stat. 
Uh, if you would overlay his, his, his spray jar with fly balls and you would put it into um, Minute Maid, his home run total jumps up to 21. Jeez. How, uh, how he could take advantage of the short portion, maybe in the same way that Alex Bregman does, where uh, StatCast doesn't always really seem to love him with the, with the exit velocities kind of being kind of middling. And I'm, I'm talking about Alex Bregman, but he always seems to have a higher home run total. It's because of those left field boxes that are, he just kind of pulls it right into those boxes and it's, gets the cheap home runs that way. I think that Mancini is in a prime position to do the same. So I, I think it's definitely stock up for Mancini. It's also a better lineup. So there's the counting stats to, to think about. Okay. I'm so up for me. Uh, this next one we can kind of fire through because I, I only included him because he's rostered uh, Christian Vasquez. He goes from the Red Sox to the Astros. Sure. Up maybe a little bit. Yeah. And then maybe a little up. I don't Next one's kind of the same deal. Tommy Pham, he moves from the Reds to the Red Sox. And I got it, like, what are the Red Sox doing? They have a weird deadline, too. And maybe a little up, but he's also, I don't think the Red Sox park is a ton worse than the Reds. So probably a worse environment for him. Um, yeah, maybe a better lineup, but. Yeah, not really too much changes for me with him. Uh, next one is Jose Quintana. He moves from the Pirates to the Cardinals. Might get wins now, so maybe a bit up. Yeah, I think he's also spark eligible, so that helps for, for purposes anyways. Next one is Jorge Lopez. He moves from the Orioles to the Twins. Probably, probably up. Moves to a theoretically better team. I think, although I don't know, Orioles have been playing really well, and uh, the Twins had like a really hot streak on offense. That's kind of dwindled down. They have a lot of injuries, so I don't know. Maybe about the same. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that a whole lot changes there. Uh, this next one is the bigger one. Juan Soto he moves from the Nationals to the Padres, and I guess we can just include Josh Bell in this one too. Got gotta be up for both of them. One of the again in that like Luis Castillo range of like significant improvement for both of these guys. I definitely agree with you there. Um, Mackenzie Gore, he goes from the Padres to the Nationals. Um, I guess if he's gonna come back from his injury and be in the rotation, he might have more chances to get it back together and pitch well, but um, I guess maybe a little bit up because he's not going to get sent down or anything because the Padres rotation was packed. So probably more likelihood of playing time for Gore. So a little bit up for him. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's really no risk that he gets moved out of the rotation. So maybe stock a little bit up. Uh, this next one I included just for fun. Uh, Joey Gallo, he goes from the Yankees to the Dodgers. If if Joey Gallo can't take advantage of the short porch in Yankee Stadium, then I don't know. Man, I I miss the days where I could be like, yeah, Joey Gallo, but oh, it's been so bad. So bad. 
So if if he can't do it in Yankee Stadium, I don't think like Dodger Stadium is going to be any kinder to him. Yeah, I guess if you put if, I, opposing pitchers would have to be thrilled if the Dodgers put out a lineup with Gallo, Muncy, and Bellinger. I'd just be terrible. With I'd be so happy as an opposing pitcher. Uh, this next one's Tyler Malley. He moves from the Reds to the Twins. I think this one is a, probably stock up for me. Just get out of the Red Stadium and mm-hmm. the team. Yeah, stock up. Maybe not as much as Castillo's, but I don't know. He's a good pitcher, and he's getting to a better spot. So This next one is Brandon Drury. He moves from the Reds to the Padres. Yeah, you and I talked about this earlier. The news blurb on him on fan tracks and presumably everywhere else was like really negative for some reason made it sound like he was going to like miss out on a bunch of playing time and stuff but um yeah i think moving to a moving out of the the red stadium kind of hurts but moving to a, a significantly better lineup helps and he had a grand slam in his first game there so like i think stock up overall yeah, I think it's kind of I would I would say more stock the same just because that Reds uh Red Stadium really helps, but I, I don't I don't know where they're getting he's gonna be losing playing time. I don't I don't really see that happening. I know they played a lefty today and uh Cronenworth was the one who sat. Um and they played a righty yesterday and he's batting sixth. Uh this next one is David Robertson. He moves from the Cubs to the Phillies. I do not know. Is he is he closing for the Phillies? He is going to close for the Phillies. Okay. I haven't really looked a ton at David Robertson, but um, this is probably stock up for him. It's a better team. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think relievers are quite as affected by ballpark either. So, I would say maybe stock up just because he's going to a better team. Next one, we have Noah Syndergaard. He's going from the Angels to the Phillies. I don't know what to make of this because Philly's stadium is more of a hitter's park, isn't it? Yeah, it is one of the better hitter's parks in the league. So just a spoiler, this is this is stock down for me for sure. Yeah, I, I would probably have to go stock down. I don't I don't think the better team is gonna is gonna improve his stock enough to overcome the scariness of Syndergaard not being as good and going to a worse park. Yeah. I think he was also kind of performing over his head for most of the year. And I, I don't, I don't think that moving to a worse ballpark is doing anything to help his uh, sustainability there. Yeah. That's a, that's a really easy way to go from pitching over your head to pitching really bad again. <laughs> so this next one was kind of a surprise, at least to me, that's a Montgomery. Um, I would say, I guess this is, Probably stock up for me, just easier ballpark. Uh, he's not going to be facing those AL East lineups anymore. Um, the Cardinals seem like they're pretty good with pitchers. So I would I would say stock up there. Same. Um, I don't know why I included Harrison Bader. I think he I thought that he was rostered, but I mean I guess it's stock up for him. I don't really know what his playing time is going to be or why this itinerary. I, I already forget what. It was it like Kermit the Frog or something that Nick compared him to? I I don't really know. It was on the podcast. Someone remind me. Jordan probably remembers, but yeah, 
stock down because now I have to remember that he was he looks like some funny comparison that I can't remember. Uh, this next one is Whit Merrifield. He moves from the Royals to the Blue Jays. An interesting one because I don't know that he can get into Canada. Yeah, I was listening to the CBS podcast today and it's it's it has to be stocked down because even if he like got vaccinated today, he would still have to wait for that for like the I think the 15 day period um, for it to like take effect or whatever, according for Canada's standards. And um, I think he has to get a second one I, I forget exactly what all he has to do but he there's he's going to to miss but yeah he got to be stocked down because he's just not going to play a lot yeah, and then the last one is Rysel Iglesias he moves from the Angels to the Braves I think this is probably a pretty clear stock down because he was the closer and now he is not yeah. Uh, so we're just going to run through these ones pretty quick. Um, there's some surprising names that just weren't traded. Uh, you can just tell me just one word stuck up down to the same for these guys. And these are ones who stayed put who we thought might be traded. The first of which is Wilson Contreras. Down. Yeah, I think that's definitely down. Uh, Ian Happ. Down. Same reason. I agree. Uh, Carlos Rodon. About the same. He's Rodon. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you there too. Uh, Pablo Lopez, gotta be down. He's been inconsistent. Sorry, I'm gonna say down too, just because of the, some of the names or some of the teams he was connected to. Like I, there was talk for a little bit about him going to the Dodgers. That would be great. That would have been fantastic. Uh, how about Jock Peterson? I, I guess about the same. Yeah, I don't know if he's right. like improved, but yeah. Nathan Avaldi. Uh, the same. He's just been struggling anyway, so I guess maybe down if he's like no change of scenery is not going to help him. I don't know. And finally, Xander Bogarts. Same. Yeah, I think so. All right, so now we're going to talk about the Orioles. Um, this was kind of a tough deadline for the Orioles fans. Uh, the team had been in contention. Jordan put down money that they'd make the playoffs. Tough deadline for, for Jordan in that regard. Um, but instead of adding, they sent away Jorge Lopez and heart and soul of the team, Trey Mancini. Uh, I guess like should Orioles fans, players be upset with how this deadline unfolded or did the team do the right thing? And I guess as a follow-up to that, and this, I'm talking about, Major League Baseball here, at what point should a team kind of declare a rebuild over and start adding to the current team? Like what, at what point do, looking at the team, do you say, okay, we're ready to contend right now, maybe even if it's a little earlier than, earlier than scheduled? So I can, only, I can only speak as someone who plays in a dynasty league where we have a salary cap and we keep track of real world salaries so that's like close ish to what the what major league baseball has to deal with we also have 40 man rosters so you know it's it's at least a respectable perspective i think um 
I don't think I would be upset as an Orioles fan just yet. Maybe if next year they're in a similar position and they they don't move some pieces to try and get ahead. Um, and then the year after that, like if they're pushing the playoffs and still sending people away, that's that's too much. But I think the first year that you show signs of life in a while, it's okay to kind of say, you know what? And I think for their situation, I think they're overperforming a little bit. And I think it's possible like they could have done what like the Pirates a couple years ago when we got um, when we sent away Glasnow and and Boz and um, Meadows for can't even remember the guy's Chris name. Archer. Chris Archer. Everyone was like excited about that, but that was like a terrible move because the pirates fell apart after that and we sold our future for freaking Chris Archer. Um, so I I think I would be okay with the Orioles doing this and not selling our selling their future when they could, I think, easily moving forward, like fall apart and and um, like not make the playoffs even if they had gone for something more. So I think I'm fine with that. And yeah, that was kind of my approach in, in my dynasty league is like, I had a, I think I had like second place team halfway through the year, but I sold in my dynasty league. Cause I just didn't feel like I had a team that could actually win it. Even though I was second place at the time, I just wasn't, performing well in the different categories and stuff so if if that's the case the orioles they felt like they they weren't actually in a position to do stuff i'm i'm fine with them taking another year of a rebuild but i think with the potential that they've shown with guys like trey mancini or not trey mancini um adley rutschman i think i think next year if they're in a similar position then i would be upset if they started moving people away yeah, I kind of agree with that. Let's let's finish off the episode by talking about the, the biggest villain of the trade deadline. Of course, I'm talking about Eric Hosmer, who did his best to torpedo the biggest trade of the trade deadline when he used his no trade clause to veto his trade to the Nationals. Uh, from that point on, he was never going to be able to show his face in San Diego again. So the Padres promptly shipped him off to the Red Sox. Uh, first of all, I want to give a moment of silence to Luke Voigt got royally screwed by this whole situation. He goes from a contending team with an exciting roster uh, to the worst roster in the National League and no shot at the playoffs for the foreseeable future. So a moment of silence for Luke Voigt. All right, our follow-up to that is how mad at Eric Hosmer should Luke Voigt be? Um, pretty, pretty upset because it's, it's all his fault. Or maybe be upset at his agent or be upset at both or be upset at his agent and team ownership and management and stuff like that. He, he, he can be mad at whoever he wants. He got screwed. Yeah, he definitely did get, get screwed here. Uh, poor Luke Voigt, just minding his own business, mashing baseballs, uh, running over catchers. And uh all of a sudden, you're you're now on the on the Nationals, who have no future really anywhere in sight. And uh, yeah, what he wouldn't give to be part of the 
part of the Padres right now, uh, back with his buddies over there, having so much fun. Uh, so that will await being told by my producer now that uh, we forgot to do something. And uh, it appears that we missed a trade earlier in our trade segment. Oops. Um, looks like we missed where I gave up Justin Verlander and Juan Soto. Sam gave up Corbin Burns. So uh, my bad. Uh, we're going to go circle back to that now. Um, so I guess I'll start uh, because this was kind of a, this was kind of a shocker and honestly very out of character for me. Um, so I, I I know that we there was a long discussion in the group chat today about this. Uh, so not to reiterate too many of the things that were said because I, I I do think they're valid. So let's start with why I didn't reach out to Nate about Spencer Strider, who I acknowledge is a better keeper than than Corbin Burns at this point. Um. And I guess the simple answer to that is uh, it wasn't on the block. Um, I guess up front uh, on my deadline day, and, I, and you, Sam can attest to this because I, I, frankly, I, I put him through hell trying to negotiate with me because I spent long hours not replying and uh, frankly, kind of not being the, the uh, very courteous trade partner. So that's, um, that's my mis- That's my bad, Sam. I am sorry for that. Uh, I had a very busy day. I, was pres- I had to present uh, the next day to my to my boss's boss's boss, which was very last second and uh, kind of a lot of pressure. So I had I had to put something together, and I did not have quite as much time to go through everything. But what made me want to look at at, uh, at Burns was the the fact that Sam actually put him on the block. You know that put in the group chat that he was listed as untouchable, but from from my standpoint, I see that he's being put on the block. Uh, and that text box slash notes area that Sam had had not been updated in quite some time. So I, I don't really think that that has much bearing on it at all. Um, so that's why I kind of went after Burns. I also did not think that Strider would really be available. And uh, I mean, that's, I guess that's on me for not checking, but uh, I, I, Another reason I guess I went for Burns instead of Strider was um, I felt like Burns would help me more this year and very possibly next year. I feel better about Burns as a pitcher right now than I do with Strider. Strider has the brightest future. He has the highest upside um, as a keeper right now. Uh, so I'm not denying that he's going to be he'd probably be a better keeper, but I still do want to compete this year despite selling off to Sam, who's going to be my primary competition uh, in the playoffs, and I say that because he's my first-round opponent, so you can't really look past it unless you're the Steelers, and that doesn't really work out real well for them. So Sam's really the top priority right now, and despite selling to him, I do think I can still beat his team, and part of the thought process behind that was of the last two weeks, I guess the last week, um, during the extended matchup, even if we did flip the roster, or flip the roster, as I say, but I, I mean if we put Soto and Verlander on his team, we put Burns on mine, I still beat him by quite a bit. So I think our rosters are still comparable. Um, I guess in, in total here, I would, I don't like the way that my team has come together this season. And when I say that I don't really like the, I didn't like the bullpen in particular. And I didn't like um, some of the, I guess like the pitching, the pitching was good. However, I had 
seemed to have a lot of guys in six-man rotations, and it seemed like I was always losing the volume battle. And for a team to be, to win in the playoffs, uh, for one thing, you have to have a lot of volume. I have zero sparks. Um, and like I said, the six-man were really kind of doing me dirty. And um, you also kind of have to have like a, a bullpen that's not going to totally torpedo you. And I have not one, not two, but four guys, all four spots, who I felt not – I did not feel a whole lot of confidence in. So I think that you – you guys as a collective group were a little higher on my team than I was. That's not to say I didn't want to compete or I didn't want to, I did not want to, um, to win this year. I just look at next year and I, and I, see, I guess I'm looking at some of the keeper pools and stuff I've had in the past. And I'm like, I could probably do that again and really maybe sustain that for a longer period. So I know that Burns is only eligible for this year. Next year, um, I guess I'm, Maybe looking to maximize next year. I don't, I, I'm Juan Soto is tough to give up. I, I guess if I'm going to summarize, if I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't because it just goes against what I've maybe done this whole season. And I, I think it's probably better to commit one way or the other. And I don't know that this trade, well, I know this trade didn't do that, but I don't think this totally torpedoes me for this year. And um, if there was a keeper I was going to add that would also help me stay in it for this year. Probably Corbin Burns, the guy who's first round pick, uh, not just this year, but he will be again next year as long as health, as long as his health is, is fine. So I guess those are my, my overall thoughts on it. Um, yeah. So I, I, I guess I, I just didn't, I didn't reach out to, and you can enjoy or Jared, when you can jump in, if you, if I'm missing any of the big questions from the, from the group chat, but I did not reach out to Nate because for one thing, I didn't have, I just didn't have a lot of time yesterday. And another thing, uh, Strider was not on the block. I felt like Burns could help me more this year than Strider could anyways. Uh, but that's, that's kind of the reason I didn't reach out to, to Nate there. And to address the competing question, um, yes, I am still trying to, com- I was still trying to compete. This was more of like the, uh, the soft sell one foot in, one foot out, which I don't really recommend as a strategy, but I, I felt in this sense that I could still, I could still compete um, even in that tougher, the tougher East. Uh, and then maybe set myself up a little better for next year to maybe get back to the, the juggernaut territory. Jared, want anything to add? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess the group chat conversation, it, it at least felt like, some people were trying to say no he's still in he's trying to compete or and the other side was like no he's completely out of it he's sold it's it's over but uh, I at least that's how it felt for me but I think you've said here and I think I agree that like the truth is like somewhere in between like you're not completely out of it you probably still have a pretty decent team and in the playoffs we know anything can happen so maybe you do beat sam in the first round maybe you do make a run with even after giving up uh soto and verlander um but you are hedging your bets picking up corbin burns one of the best keepers in the league next year and setting yourself up to to better better compete in the future where i think this year we can all agree like naked 
Nick and Nate are the clear favorites, but again, anything, anything can happen. So your playoff team, roll the dice on that, but I don't, I don't blame you for kind of reading the tea leaves and thinking it, it's going to be tough to beat Nick or Nate this year. And maybe, maybe let's put a, put our eggs in next year's basket, at least a little bit. I guess just to close, cause we are up against time. Um, I'm thinking the risk of sounding arrogant, but I do think that the, my, my track record kind of does speak for itself a little bit for those who've been in the league a little longer. I mean, you can look back at the league history document too, but um, I think my draft track track record is very good. And uh, so I, I think giving myself a pretty good keeper pull, uh, I think that would really, I have the chance to do some serious damage. So I guess that, that was where the allure was with that too. I still like, again, I don't think I was, I don't think I torpedoed my chances for this year either, but uh, yeah, I, it is somewhere in the middle. Um, like I said, though, if I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't just because that's not really, uh, not really something I've, I've done in the past. So we'll close there. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to our, thanks to our sponsors for the, the breaks um and uh we'll see you next week <laughs>